0: What shifts into accumulation in accumulation and in retirement is, it's all about, do I have enough income to live the life that I want as long as I want? And how does that actually play out for the rest of your life? Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy American Podcast. I'm here as always joined by my co host Jim Stryker. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing good. It's another beautiful day in this country. Welcome to the podcast. Today, what we want to cover is something that is really common advice that is thrown around a lot. If you watch any of the news stations, if you listen to any of the people that talk about accumulating wealth, investments, all of that stuff, you will probably have heard of the three-bucket strategy. So what is the three-bucket strategy? The three-bucket strategy is basically this idea that you have, you know, kind of a bucket for right now. That's a little bit more liquid. A lot of times it's described as your emergency fund, right? Three to six months of funds that'll cover your living expenses, all of that stuff. A lot of times in like a savings account, you'll have your kind of like soon medium term bucket, which is going to be, you know, your three to seven years you're building up. Maybe you're building up to put a down payment on a house. Maybe you're saving up for something else, you know, kids' college, any of that stuff. And then you've got your later, which is, you know, you accumulate something. A lot of times this is going to be, you know, in terms of retirement, your 401ks, your IRAs, uh, anything that's going to accumulate money where it builds on compound interest long term. And so what we want to talk about today is the difference between the accumulation strategies that are normally thrown out there and the decumulation strategies. Which is as you get to within kind of seven to 10 years within retirement, the rules change a little bit. And so, if you aren't aware of what's changing, and especially if you want to know and want to be prepared, and if you are within seven to 10 years, you're definitely going to want to stay all the way to the end of this podcast to be able to actually understand what that looks like. All right. So, the first thing, when we talk about accumulation, Jim, what are some of the things inside of the short term bucket? When we look at some of the different characteristics, accounts, stuff like that. Oh, by the way, this is not financial advice. Financial advice requires really specific information on your current situation, what you have going on, what your preferences are, and really a planned kind of trained person to take you through that. And so anybody offering advice just based on carte blanche, anything, I'd be hesitant enough. You always want somebody that's going to break down your situation, seek to understand it, and then make specific advice towards you. So, Jim, let's go back to the accumulation strategy with our short-term bucket. What what typically can that look like? Well, I like to think
1: about accumulation for people and income in different categories and different buckets. So let's say focused on accumulation, and accumulation really is sort of the uh, the mindset of where. Can I place my saved money that is going to grow over time, right? So, I'm going to accumulate money each month and I'm going to put it aside in some vehicle,
0: right? That So, we're talking long-term just to clarify, Jim. We're talking our long long-term bucket first. Long-term buckets.
1: Yep. So, short-term bucket would be your emergency fund, right? That's 6 months of your bills put away aside. That's that's money market, that's liquid, that's something different. I'm thinking about the accumulation, you know, bucket, you know, if you will put all of that, are those accounts and those vehicles that you consistently are putting money into that are going to grow long-term for the time, you know, in your life that it's going to grow enough to then convert that accumulation of funds into cash flow.
0: Yeah. And so an example of this that probably most people here are familiar with, this is going to be, if you have a 401k at work, right? If you have a Roth IRA, if you have a regular IRA, right? If you have pension in a lot of ways, is is this, you just don't see it, but mutual funds can be this as well, but it's going to be something where you're putting it away and hey, you're not looking to draw on this in the next 10 years. You're looking for this to keep building, using the power compound interest, all of that stuff. And if, you know, depending on who you work for, all that stuff, you might even get a company match towards it. And that's great. There's a difference. And usually within this, you kind of have two different types of accounts, which are going to be something where you're contributing pre-tax dollars. So you don't get taxed on it, but then you're going to get taxed on it when you pull it out in retirement or whenever you can pull it out, or you're contributing post-tax dollars. And you can usually access that without paying taxes again. Now, the exception to that is where you get taxed on both of them, which is where, you know, if you're putting it into just a securities account, like, you, you know, you're putting it into the stock market, basically you're getting taxed on that, then you're taking that after-tax dollars, you're putting it in your buying stock, you're indexing in the S&P 500 point-to-point or whatever it is, and then you're gonna get taxed on that when you get pulled out again, right? Based on your cap gains, assuming you made money. So let's talk and shift now. So that's long-term. Let's talk about medium-term, right? When we're looking at kind of that you know, three-ish years, give or take a few years in there, what's some of the stuff that can make sense or some of the different vehicles out there that people can use. So most of those are going to fit into a, what we call a non-qualified
1: bucket, right? So those are those are things that are not qualified with the IRS to be used as retirement vehicles. So those are typically things like uh, CDs, some short-term, you know, bonds um, could be stocks in a in a mutual fund, could be an index, you know, strategy, something that is relatively liquid. You understand how to get in and get out. Right there's not a lot of you know fees and surrenders and stuff like that, but usually it's it's considered a non-qualified bucket place to put money to grow for the short term.
0: Yeah, and there's some other interesting ones, and we've talked about this, and you know do your research. There's a lot of different banks out there. There's a few savings accounts right now that are paying four percent, and so it's it's kind of an interesting time when we look at it inside of the market where we're at, where it's like. At least for me, I'm looking at that going, well, yeah, I mean, I could tie it up into a CD, I can tie it up into a bond, or I can put it into that savings account that's paying 4%. And it's not a bad option in terms of that stuff right now, at least for what I'm looking at for, for me personally.
1: Yeah. And I'll just add to that, that right now, what you just said, just to piggyback on that is we're sort of in this time frame. you know, we Will, thinking about this medium term place where people could put money today. Uh, we're sort of in a, an inverted yield curve perspective, and so for those of you who don't know what that is, you know the inverted you know yield curve is when short term money is paying a better rate of return or has a higher yield than a long term you know mm-hmm. investment. So, like Will was saying, some of these money markets and some of these short term savings things, four point three five percent, you know, things where something longer term, you know, might pay about the same or even a little bit less. So. In these, uh, you know,
0: and again, caveat, this is not financial advice. Well, we're looking at historicals going back right now um, relative to what those accounts are paying. The truth is in a lot of, especially when you're, there's a few things that aren't, but when you're involved with the stock market and stuff that we're looking at that, we're looking at historicals, S&P, all that. That's where it's the inverted curve, but there's no guarantee of what that looks like moving forward. And we wouldn't make a recommendation on that. So worth noting. For all the listeners out there, we're just kind of educating around some of the different common solutions that are there and what that looks like. Back to you, Jim.
1: Yeah. No, you hit you hit the nail on the head. It's primarily vehicles that, you know, you can decide to place your money in. They're gonna be non qualified. They're gonna need to maintain some form of liquidity, you know, looking at the rate of return, but you want to know how to
0: get in and how to get out. Pretty simple. Hundred percent on that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And we just did this, my wife and I. So we just literally are wrapping up a remodel this week uh, we moved back in on saturday it's going to be fantastic turned out great but it was a pretty full remodel shown you pictures and all that stuff jim you've been able to see kind of the process along the way and they've done a great job but we knew we had that expense coming up so it had to be liquid it had to be set up and i knew kind of coming into that you know what it would look like i didn't really want to do cds didn't really want to do bonds i just put it in a high yield savings account and for me that was a great solution for that looking at it going just park it over there for like a year and a half. We know that's coming up. Let's let that grow. at it was, you know, guaranteed four. And then from there, it's like, cool. When it came time to, you know, stroke that check, it was just transferring it from that savings account into the checking account, wrote the check, cut it this morning. It was a little bit painful, but the place turned out beautiful. And that handed that over to my contractor. And that, that's the way that I kind of look at that, which is what are kind of the major expenses that we have coming up that's on a longer time horizon than say a few months. And then our last bucket, as we talked about, is going to be emergency, right? This, you want to really liquid. If something happens, you got to have access to that money and going from there. So that's like the three bucket strategy. And most people understand that and they go, it, you know, it, it works fairly well for most people, right? As they're coming earlier in life. Let's talk about where this shifts. And for you listening right now, and man, we, we have so many conversations with people each and every week inside of our practice. And they go, yep. I'm looking at rate of return, rate of return, rate of return. And I think you should look at rate of return early on in life. But man, where this switches is the second that you get within seven to 10 years of retirement. Because like, here's the thing. If you have long enough to ride out the markets, historically, you will historically get a decent rate of return where this doesn't play out so well. And what most people don't think about, because most of our life, we're thinking about how do I get a better rate of return? How do I compound this and build upon this? Is once you get within retirement, especially 10 years, if you take a big loss, if we have another 2008, how long is it going to take to recover from that? What if it's not fully recovered in 10 years, right? If you had, let's say a million dollars for easy mass sake, a million dollars inside of your retirement accounts, and we end up taking a 50% hit like we did in 2008, are you looking at a 50% gain to recover from that? You're not. If you went hundred thousand dollars down to fifty thousand dollars, what kind of return do you need on fifty thousand dollars to get it back up to a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, right? And so, if you don't have time to ride that out, this is where the strategy changes. There's two types of risk inside of really uh, when we talk about kind of you know a lot of these accounts and and different options in there, and the risk is for the most part, going to be tax risk and market risk. And so as you start to move into retirement or striking age of retirement, you've got to look at how much exposure do I have to tax risk and market risk where if the market does go down, all of a sudden the retirement that I was planning on isn't really there. If taxes double, not say they'll double, but you know, if they were to double, if they were to go up dramatically, Does that move me out of the place where I can have a comfortable retirement? Because most people just want to know two things. What age can I retire? Will my money last me in retirement? And if you're exposed, if you still have the same risk inside of those buckets as you move into retirement, that's where it gets a little bit dangerous, potentially, right? That's where you're looking at, you know, you might, like in 2008, right? And that's a dramatic example. But, you know, if you look at the markets right now, if you look at how much money we printed over the last couple of years, most people are saying, Hey, I think there has to be a correction. And we don't know what that looks like. Right. And, and it is speculation on most, you know, analysts and pundits side of the house. Cause nobody really knows what the market's are doing, but if you think there is a correction coming, then this is where you have to start to shift some of that risk. So if it's market risk, how do we shift that into a safer option? where Ideally I still can create a decent rate of return, right. But I have access to it. And if the market's tank, I'm not losing everything. Like this is so, so important. And Jim, we've, we talked to so many people. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this in in probably the conversation, just like I have probably conversations you've had today, if not just this week. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, like going back to uh, what we covered, you know, in the beginning, you might be in, in somebody who's in the accumulation phase of your life where you're not yet, you know, thinking about turning on the income from what you've accumulated. Right. And so, usually that's all the way up till somewhere around 59 and a half, right? That's usually like the first kind of moment where you can tap into what you've accumulated without a penalty. And then 62 would be another milestone and 67. But up until that timeframe, the people I talk to, they're they're really thinking pretty hard about still accumulating enough money so that when they do get to the time in their life, when they go from accumulation to de-accumulation, Well, what does that mean? It's like climbing a mountain, right? You're climbing a mountain, accumulating money your whole entire life to get to the top. You're at the top. You're like, okay, I'm retiring now. And then it's, okay, now I'm going to decumulate. I'm going to figure out how to effectively spend, right? The money that I've accumulated throughout my entire life and make it last throughout my entire life expectancy adjusted with inflation and taxation. So I think, you know, it's really an accumulation conversation. And then a decumulation or an income, you know, conversation,
0: depending on where you're at, you know, in your life. Yeah, and I think what you just hit on there, Jim, is so perfect. And I love the mountain analogy. I think it's perfect for this. But the income, right? What we call cash flow a lot of the times. Yeah. The cash flow in a retirement is more important than the dollar amount inside of the accounts. And I think that's the thing that most people I think struggle with shifting in terms of mentality and the way to think about it, because your whole life You work hard, you put away money, you do the right things. You're looking at those accounts building up. I'm still guilty of this. I'll look at them and I'm riding the waves a little bit with everybody as well. Looking at it going up, going up, going up, sometimes going down, all that stuff. And it's all about the dollar amount that's in the account. What shifts in accumulation and in retirement is it's all about, do I have enough income to live the life that I want as long as I want? Because a dollar amount in an account in and of itself isn't doing you anything. It's what can you do with that and how does that actually play out for the rest of your life? Because you don't have any income coming in, right? You might have social security, maybe you have a pension, stuff like that, but you have what you have unless you decide to go back to work in your seventies, eighties, but most people don't want to go that route. And so I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Like the major differences, and I would say the major things to shift inside of thinking when you're going through retirement planning or thinking about this for anybody out there is... In accumulation phase, if you're young, if you can recover in the markets, if you can do all that stuff, the three bucket strategy is perfect. As you start to get within seven to ten years of retirement, that's where things should probably shift for you and what you're looking at. You have to start looking at cash flow, the desired lifestyle that I'm gonna have. How much do I have right now? How do I take some of that risk off the table? Maybe not all of it, but some of that risk off the table with tax risk, market risk and make sure that I can retire when I want to, and I don't run out of money for the rest of my life. If you have that in place, those are the characteristics that create something that really create a really meaningful life where you don't have to worry. Meaningful being not, because money is not everything, but you don't have to worry about money. And I will tell you, and I'm, Jim, you probably echo this as well, growing up with no money, it was stressful. It was very, very, very stressful. Money doesn't buy happiness, but the lack of money sure creates issues. And doing that at the end of your life, I don't wish that upon anybody, so hopefully this is really helpful for you. Jim, closing thoughts here.
1: I think we pretty much covered it. Accumulation and deaccumulation. Those are two really important things that we all are going to face in our life, right? So we we like to ask people, you know, uh, especially if we're speaking in, in large groups, you know, how many of you uh, want to work till you're a hundred? Raise your hand. Well, not a lot of people raise their hand, right? So we should ask, right? How many people want to retire and then go back to work? not a whole lot of people probably raised their hand, right? So having the this conversation around uh, accumulation phase of your life and then the de-
0: de-accumulation you know, phase of your life is, uh, is one worthy. And I think we covered a lot of that today. 100%. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Guys, thank you for joining us. We are on a genuine mission here at the Wealthy American Podcast to empower more Americans to have more wealth. We believe that it creates a stronger country overall. We have the best country in the world. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Amen. Thanks, everyone.